Hey, welcome to the weekly. This is our Calvary Bible Church podcast where we connect what happened on Sunday to your real life lived Monday through Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas Milburn, with my good friend Jay Ewing. Hey, how'd you survive the snow apocalypse? Man, that snow apocalypse was great. How crazy is that, man? Top five snowstorms in Colorado history. Yeah, it's the fourth one largest ever. Wow. Why do we measure at DIA? I don't know why that is. That's pretty crazy, right? Because like that's not really close to the foothills. It's not it's pretty far away, actually. Yeah. To like the central location of Denver. Did we measure at DIA prior to DIA? Was like some dude <laughs> yeah. walking out there? <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm out here by tractor. Maybe. Maybe they built DIA because that was the snow measuring station. Yeah, they're like, might as well put the airport out there. Yeah. Get some use out of it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. We had, I don't know, 12-foot snow drifts at my house. That was a blast, man. It was a blast. I'm sore today. I'm sore in my my biceps <laughs> from shoveling. Nowhere else is biceps. Okay, tell me, about, tell me your strategy. Because my neighbors took different strategies on yes. this one. Where some were like, hey, I'm going out every few hours. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep up with it. And others just woke up yesterday <laughs> and dug out. There's some that woke up today and dug out. True. And that cold, rock-solid stuff. So what'd you do? Yeah, man, I, I did not get out on Sunday, um, but I did get out on Monday morning, afternoon, and a little in the evening. Just as the temperatures. It was hot yesterday. Yeah, it was nice. You could get sunburned. We all got sunburned. <laughs> How crazy is that? My kids came in and their face was glowing red. I yeah. thought, oh, it must have been kind of cold. Then I thought, oh, I should have put sunscreen on them. That was really funny. We did a, a snow cave and my kids loved it. It's the first one of their life. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So they're getting that age where that's fun, you know. So they were playing polar bear in their snow cave today. Nice. So again, it's pretty cool. The, the kids on my street built a snow cave, probably not nearly as cool, as awesome as yours. Yeah. But it happens to be in the middle of the street. <laughs> or it's on the side of the street. <laughs> Wrong move. I'm like, Wrong. man, I wonder how long that's going to last. Yes. Well, I, you know, I put mine out in the sun. I knew that it would get sun because I can't stand like four weeks later. That thing looks like somewhat of a snow cave. Oh, it's going to be Rudeness. there for a long time. It, it's going to be. A, okay. So I almost dropped a chimney in my snow cave yesterday and started a fire in really? it. Really? Yeah, because I've always wanted to see how warm it would get inside one of those things. You don't, you don't have to drop a whole chimney. Just a stack. Just a little outlet. Dude, so a couple times I've gone snow caving. Yeah. And You've snow caved? Like legit snow caved? Yeah. Cave. So my wife... Have You're you so not, cool. Have you not known this? No. Okay, so my wife, Kristen, and I, uh, I, I drug her up there. And you, <laughs> you build a Quincy. Okay. So you pile snow on top. And it can be powder. It's like the craziest cool thing. So you, like, you just throw a bunch of snow on top. Then you like go pump water, go snowshoeing, whatever. Give right. it a couple hours. I'm sure there's some scientific term that forms like new crystals. And then you dig it out. And I take a little key or um, a tea light, a okay. tea candle, and you light the tea candle and you put it in there just like one. And it gets warm enough to actually cause the top of the Quincy to melt. And then you blow it out and all the cold air rushes in and it freezes over. And I want to say that thing is above freezing at night. It's nice. It's nice? Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy that your wife did that with you. Yeah. We haven't been back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you now have an RV? (laughs) She's like, I'm upgrading from this thing. I'm out. What happened in our last trip, we were, I can't remember where we were, maybe like Brainerd Lake or something like that. We were camping up at Brainerd and a blizzard came in, a total whiteout. It was like a 
you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger get to the chopper, <laughs> like get off the summit. Yeah. And just rush back to the car. Couldn't even see anything. Ice blind. Right. Yeah. I've been at Brainerd Lake when it's the wind's blowing and oh, it's man. cold up there and it's, it's sort of scary. It feels a little scary. It's intense. Yeah. That so, sounds good. And your marriage survived. It does. Now, when are we going to have this like wives podcast? You know what? They, Everyone I talk to is just curious. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is not on board. You're going to have to. She's really? she's going to vote in to the weekly at calvarybible.com, which you can too. So the weekly at calvarybible.com. And she says her vote counts more than any other vote. I just mentioned to her that you talked to Thomas today and the crowds are demanding. <laughs> demanding. The crowds. Hey, okay, let's jump back into what we're actually talking about on the weekly today. Calvarybible.com slash events. Hey, we're three weeks away from Easter Sunday. How crazy is that, Thomas? It's great. With this snow on the ground, this is a great day to give yourself some hope that their spring is coming. So sign up today for Easter. The sooner you do, the better off we are at Calvary, preparing to give anyone and everyone who wants a chance to hear the gospel, to hear the gospel. So if you're Calvary faithful, sign up as early as you can. Get your plans locked down. They can be flexible, as in 2020, 2021, told us flexibility but go to calvarybible.com you can sign up for easter also sign up for the easter egg experience and this week be praying with us because this week starts a high school local retreat historically called iron man it's happening this next weekend over into monday so just be praying with us and then also thomas i was thinking about this we have baptisms coming up april 11th It'd be really cool to do a podcast about a deep dive of like why we believe in baptism and how we believe baptism and just sort of the historical accounts of baptism that in the church, early church, I know you and I have had a lot of conversations over the last years about baptism. It'd be fun to do a podcast, wouldn't it? You know, it's it's true, Jay. When I talk to the, the, the crowds and the multitudes of people that <laughs> listen to this podcast, the number one thing is get your wives on it. And number yep. two is can you do a deep dive into baptism? Yeah, totally. You're just making <laughs> both of those up. And then also go to calvarybible.com. Membership class is happening April 18th. Yes. It's going to be in a, uh, online, and it's also going to be on the Boulder campus. So you can go to the events page there and check it out. Membership class will only be in person. Membership class. Oh, yeah, membership. Yeah. I'm talking annual about annual meeting. meeting. Thank yeah. you for correcting me. So membership is only in person on all three campuses. So go to calvarybible.com slash events. Jay is incorrect. You need to read the type and print there. But our annual meeting will be on the Boulder campus coming up in yeah. April. Don't worry. I'm sure our producer will edit that out. Totally. He will not edit that out. <laughs> so let's jump into it. We, we're in this season and this series called Battle Ready. Uh, this last week was Pride. Everyone at Calvary Bible watched your message this week. How, do you, how does that make you feel? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of things. Come to the top of my mind. So we were trying right. to get a little bit of a respite as we prep for the Easter season by kind of doing this rotation around. So like you prep one message, then you would take it to each of the campuses. And also to see some of these pastors that we don't normally get to see. Yes. On a, a so that was just super basis. cool. Like yeah. Zach, Thornton campus pastor, is going to be in Erie, going to be in Boulder, get to meet him after his message. He's going to do a great job. And then John Boyle was going to be traveling around doing the same thing. Man, and I can't wait for John to be back. I love when he preaches. Yes. 
<laughs> he's way better than you. <laughs> no, no doubt, man. He's so good. He's so good. Gosh, we're back he loves the, the Lord so much. Loves the Lord. Yeah. Has a beautiful voice. Yeah. He's yeah, he's a great guy. So anyway, that then the snow apocalypse kind of happened. <laughs> yeah. And we all kind of decide to watch Flexibility, online. my friend. Flexibility and pivoting. So yeah, that was shown. And what we're doing is each taking a scheme of the devil in a season that we're vulnerable and one that we looked at this last weekend was pride. And then the guys are going to be bringing around uh, different schemes. So I'm actually going to produce another message and take that with me to Thornton this weekend and then Boulder the next weekend talking about the spiritual battle. Yeah. And I really, I really love this series because over the last years has exposed a lot of different things in our lives. Um, Personally, pastorally, all those things. And we're really slowing down and trying to equip the saints in this season over the things we've seen take place over this last year. And one of those is pride, right? I think so. I mean, when I look at pride, I think that is the boast of America. That is a foothold, a stronghold that the devil can easily use to just train wreck people. Now, a question I didn't get to ask on Sunday that I'll ask you, outside of knowing me, who do you think the most humble person is? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Sunday school answer? <laughs> Belt board? Do I get I would, a piece of candy for yeah, that? <laughs> I assume I would get like the most humble award. Yeah, no doubt. That's Jesus. No doubt. No, but I mean, but pride's a real issue. It really is. And the Bible talks a lot about it and it gives a lot of examples of pride. Mm-hmm. And if you read your Bible and if you enjoy reading your Bible, you'll run into those stories of prideful people all, all the time. You see it even in Jesus' life and his story. If you just read the Gospels, you'll see prideful people who don't know who he is because of their pride. And we see it today too, right? I mean, no, no, we no mentioned doubt. it on Sunday. Uh, who's in your mind, top of mind, when you think of ministry leaders that have, you don't have to name names, but ministry leaders that have fallen because of pride? Yeah, and that's a really sad thing because power, when you get into those and in influence, um, it would be easy. I can understand, uh, you know, in my my rise to the top in pastoral ministry, yeah, in my great preaching skills, and just the ability to communicate the word of God, I can see how easily, how easily that would corrupt. I know it's hard time enough, like just trying to manage myself when <laughs> when my mom says you did a nice job today. Yeah, like yes, I must be the greatest speaker of all time. No doubt. But, you know, and it's also the thing in, in ministry is you see God move and you see it over and over again and you forget who actually did the work yeah. over a long period of time because you're listening to voices. So, I, like, I know it's really tough. We watch the news cycles of pastors who fall and who really blow up their lives because right. of pride. So let's just let's talk. Let's do Real talk, okay? Okay, we're good. Real talk. Hi, welcome, welcome to Calvary Bible's Real Talk podcast. <laughs> um, what are ways that you hedge against that? So if we know it's a stronghold in our life and um, we are susceptible to pride, and we talked about this on Sunday where pride elevates us above accountability. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we have a place in our life where we say people don't have access to, don't get asked questions about, um, we're, you know, we can handle these issues or it migrates us to a, a region of entitlement. Like, I deserve, like, no one knows how hard I'm working. No one appreciates what I'm doing. Of course, I deserve, you know, X, Y, or Z. What are ways that you hedge against the devil getting a foothold and leveraging those two 
regions of like above accountability or into entitlement against you. Yeah. Do you want personally or pastorally? Um, this is Real Talk Calvary 107.5. Let's do, um, let's do personally. Yeah. Um, just in my own life, the one of the things I've started to put into practice over the last couple of years is to choose the low road in everything. And that's a, a phrase I put in my mind where if I have a chance to prop myself up or to disappear in a story, I'm always going to choose to disappear. Does that make sense? And so it's the sort of cognitive choice to like let people know. And here's the thing, man. I, you know, I'm a pretty open guy. I, I um, am pretty driven. I like uh, succeeding in life. I mean, I like people knowing that I succeed, I like being known as that person. And so choosing the low road is a really hard thing for me to do. And I, I have to prayerfully consider each season I'm in and the successes that I see happen and the ways in which I have to choose to serve. And, you know, no better, greater example of this is in my own family life. You know, do I, I worked all day, you know, I'm going to come home. Do I want to take out the trash? Do I want to sweep the floor? Do I want to pick up the Legos because I'm in that stage? You know, those are the choices I have to make to go low. And that's sort of how I do it. And then also, I would say accountability is really important to me. And that I'm accountable not only to Kristen, like she has my passcode to my phone. She can read every text message. She can log into anywhere I'm at. She can read every email. And she has, and she, she tells me I live a very boring life. <laughs> and, you know, and I have accountability, men who keep me accountable too, that know me. That And um, I think those are two really important things in my own life that lead me to humility. Because usually humility comes through humiliation. And the more people know about you, the more humiliating I am sometimes. No doubt, man. That's so true. And I think, you know, one of the ways in which people get themselves in trouble is they use pride to guard against the weaknesses of their life. Right. And so I, I think it's like unintentional almost sometimes where people begin to be prideful of, and boast about their finances and then things aren't going as well. And instead of exposing that or sharing that, they hedge against that with, with this pride or this big boast. And so they become, you know, a, a false presentation of what's really going on. And then they become, you know, fragile behind the scenes. And so then they have to like you know, double down on their pride. No one gets to ask questions. No one gets to, you know, ex, you know, experience who they truly are. And you got a recipe for disaster. That's right. And I think being known in this sphere, especially you and where we're, we're at in our lives and ministry is being known. Like, you know, most people know that they see me at Walgreens at 830 on a Wednesday night. I'm buying ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a sort of funny thing to say. I want people to know that. I want people to know um, who I am, what I'm about, and see my weaknesses. You know, Ben and Jerry's at 8.30 on Wednesday is a weakness. It's not a weakness. <laughs> That's a strength. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, there's no facade there. Yeah. Like, you're going to run into me at King Supers, and my, I might be yelling at my kids. I might be frustrated. I might be in a rush, you know, and I want you to say hi, hello, ask how I'm doing because I want to be known. Yeah. I want to be known, and I want to be the same person in all the environments. Right. So I don't want ever to stand up in front of a large group of people and for my kids to think, 
who's this guy? Right. You know, or people who know me from my life group or my home group, like who's this guy? Like what personality is this? And then be someone drastically different somewhere else. No doubt. So I want to live openly and honestly before people. So I'm the same person that you meet on stage, same person in the lobby, same person you're going to run into at the gas station, just an old curmudgeon <laughs> the, whole, the whole time. You know, you will be, we'll, we will catch you at the gas station buying a hot dog and a Coke. Oh, no doubt. No man. doubt. And here's the thing. This is why I love Calvary is because our, our, our campuses are local. And what that means is that you and I living on this campus have to be local. Like you have to know us. There's no, we're not on a billboard anywhere. We don't have a website named in our honor, you know, thomasmilburn.com. <laughs> you haven't been there? No. I can't wait to go. But you know what I mean? Like we're just normal men who felt the call of God in a certain way in their life and been commissioned to be pastors. And we want to be known as truly men. You know, like that makes sense to me. So maybe a question that I would ask people who are listening is when you're evaluating kind of the dashboard instruments of where you are with pride and are you elevating yourself above accountability is are there certain areas in your life that are unaccessible to people? Yeah, Even that's right. It's a really great question. People you're married to or people in your family, um, people in your close community. Do you even have a close community or do you live an isolated life on purpose because you don't want people to see um, into certain areas? Yeah, and you can be super connected and still be not known. Absolutely. Not connected. Yeah, a question I ask guys specifically, and you can ask this to gals as well, is if someone picked up your phone and it wasn't locked and just started scrolling through or like started, hey, it's got to check a couple things out. Right. Is there any sort of like elevation of fear in your heart that they're going to discover something that's otherwise unknown that you've kept private? Now, why do we talk about all this stuff? Is because when we elevate ourselves above accountability, we, we prop ourselves up to a place where it's a false security. And all of a sudden, like the knees come out because the devil, like the enemy life just swoops us out from underneath and we're going down in a hurry. Yeah. And that's the biblical stories. Like you, it doesn't take long in Genesis when you can run into men and women who aren't accountable and are open to examination who fell very quickly. Yeah. We were lamenting that. One of the hard things about being an American Christian today is just the biblical illiteracy of not knowing our Old Testament stories very well. So Jay was making fun of me that I just dropped like five Old Testament stories in a row that nobody has a clue what they are from Saul to Absalom to to Haman. And I think it's good for us here in this podcast to name some of those. And if you don't know them, that's fine. That is a great place because you're in for a wild ride and some great stories that I think are just fantastic. God-inspired Holy Spirit movement stories that if you don't know these names, it's not a shame thing. Like, oh man, I'm a bad Christian. It's a, it's a, you get to explore something great and chasing down these stories of the Bible. So, so what are some of the major characters you think when you think about pride in the old Testament? You know, Jay, I just appreciate your recommendation. Like keep the bar high, but don't be discouraged by it. Like it should give you enthusiasm to go discover them because these stories are so colorful and you're reading it going, was that printed on today's paper? Right. I mean, these people in leadership look like the people in leadership I see today. Right. All right. So, uh, outside the ones that I mentioned on Sunday, there's one that I thought about unpacking if I had another four hours to preach on Sunday, but I didn't, uh, it comes from second Chronicles 26. 
And it's a great story of a young king who comes into leadership um, of Judah. His name is Uzziah. And so he comes into leadership when he was 16 years old. Yeah, and he's a really interesting king. Super interesting. Yeah. And one of the things that he does is, verse 5, this is 26.5, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So the key ingredients, the bread and butter of Uzziah is not his age, it's not his wisdom, it's not his experiences. It is truly one thing, his posture before the Lord. So as he says, fear the Lord, what does that mean? It means that you keep God above you. Like you don't elevate yourself above God. You stay in the position that God has given you. So he fears God and he seeks him. So as he seeks the Lord, as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And the Lord really prospered Uzziah. I mean, all of a sudden, the kingdom, like its economic reach, its military strength is just exploding. Inventions are coming. Um, inventions in verse 15. Yeah, this is a really interesting verse in the Bible. Super interesting. I mean, if you haven't read verse 15, just listen to it, and then maybe you read the whole, the whole section. But in Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones, and his fame spread far for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But, verse 16. But, dun, 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 dun. And this is, one of, this is part of his story, and this is part of our, our story. When we become skillful at something, when we become great at something, we have this temptation just like Uzziah. And what was his, what happened to him? What's verse his 16. Yeah. Well, I, think about that for a second. It's like, okay, you're young. Yeah. You're 16. You, you probably know nothing. At least I'll, I'll say about my own life. I'm right. 16. I know nothing. Right. Right. But then you kind of get some wins under your belt. You know, you graduate from the University of Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to work that in. It's ridiculous. Uh, and you're just like on this trajectory of, a, of just defeating the world. And, you know, you get some wins. You know, your, your, your family's growing. Your career's going. Whatever it is. Right. And you start trusting in your strengths of accomplishments as opposed to the key ingredients, which was fear the Lord, seek his face. Right. And so you become all of a sudden skill-filled in your leadership as, in, as opposed to spirit-filled. So the big but, verse 16, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Ooh, deadly. Deadly, right? Deadly. So here's the, here's the problem, though, is Uzziah is the king. Right, so he's kind of like he's kind of a big deal. Yeah, you can't really say, "Hey, don't do that." <laughs> he's, he's a big man on campus, right? And he's like, "Well, you know what? Like, why am I not invited to go burn the incense? Like, yeah. look at me. I've built all these machines. Look at the economic success of my country. Surely, I should be able to go burn incense. It's just lighting something on fire and putting it on the altar." Yeah, but that wasn't his position. Yeah, and you remember from the weekend? This is why I was trying to connect it. The weekend was the devil himself did not stay in their God appointed positions. This is what Jude tells us. Right. That all of these fallen angels would not remain in their God-appointed positions of authority. Just think about that. Like, you're under the authority of God. Wouldn't that be great? Yes. Wouldn't it be lovely and, like, wonderful and free, and you knew what you were called to, you knew who you were? Yeah. Why would you give it up? Pride. Yeah. Right? So pride elevates you. It's Adam and Eve. Right, so God gives them a position of authority. Yeah. That's why we were in Genesis. So Adam and Eve, in the garden, this is your position of authority over all of creation to cultivate. 
and they leave their God-given assignment. Not because God was holding out on them, not because the role of the priests here with Uzziah is better or more superior. It's just because that's God's given posture or position for them. And the king who says, no, I'm not going to remain there. I'm going to go do this one thing. Bad news. For me, it's always the story between King Saul and King David. And there's a lot of biblical material on it. So there's a plenty of stuff you can read and enjoy and learn from both of those men's life. But uh, I think King Saul is a really great understanding that actually pride kept him. He never submitted to humility because both King Saul and King David messed up. King David repented, though. Mm-hmm. He had a, at least an ounce of humility that led him to repentance. And maybe that's part of our stories, too, is that so many often we have these moments where we are prideful, but the choice is do you choose humility after that? Yeah. Do you choose repentance? Do you soften your heart back to the Lord? And I love King Saul and King David as sort of like the story to sort of go pros and cons of both. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, and they both had messengers that came into their life. Remember, like Samuel came in to Saul and said, what have you done? And Saul blames him. Well, you weren't here on time. Right. So I thought I had to, you know, do the, do the offering. Whereas Nathan shows up to David, and Nathan says, what have you done? And David just falls on his face. Right. So maybe even just today, like in a non-weird way, maybe Jay and I in this podcast could just simply be a Nathan to remind you that whatever you've gotten hidden, um, the Lord knows and the Lord sees. Yep. And the Lord is aware of it. And this could be your day where you stop being prideful and you allow somebody to know what's going on. Repent of those things and come back to those early posture days of seeking the Lord and revering him, fearing him, so that it would go well with you. Yeah. You start telling the truth because the truth will always set you free, my friend. Start telling the truth. Not to everyone, into safe places and people, Start telling the truth and walk in humility and your life will go better. I guarantee because the Bible tells us it will go. There's all these stories of it. Right. And when we say better, we don't mean easier. No. We don't mean like there's more money in your bank account. What we mean by better is the end is destruction. Like for here, Uzziah, Uzziah dies. Right. And the examples that we gave on Sunday that maybe people don't know, it all ends in their death. Like right. families are destroyed, marriages are destroyed, cities are destroyed. Like there's so much carnage that comes out of this prideful leadership that we say, I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. You take the lessons from someone else. You don't run with those lessons and learn them yourself. Yeah. And we, I mean, I think this is where the great boast of America is, right? Because what is the achievement of America is independence, mm-hmm. right? So elevation so that I'm financially independent, I'm healthy. And I'm free. Yeah, I'm sovereign against anyone else. And where does that put you? In a really vulnerable position yep. to get worked over. And you get drawn in through different temptations. Um, and you do things that you never thought you would do because yeah. you thought, well, I'm untouchable or I deserve. Yeah, it's totally true. It's a great warning. And I like that invitation to our listeners today. It's an invitation to you and I. What are the ways of which we're falling into pride? Like we can ask that between each other. You know what I mean? Because that's really important as we go forward in living in freedom, living with the best life possible. Not the easiest, but the best. Yeah. I mean, so, when, I, when I see our subscribers hit double digits, yeah, it's like, I, I don't even know if I can, <laughs> if I can handle it. <laughs> when I'm signing autographs, <laughs> always, it gets in the street. I know I've arrived. You know what I mean? No, but that's all joking aside. It's a great invitation. I love it. 
Okay, so let's turn the corner here. I really want to talk about this. And this is probably a really hard question to unpack, but you're the expert, so we're going to ask Ooh, it. that's false. Humility. That's Humility. False. <laughs> yeah. Hell is, how do we know if we are wrestling against our own flesh or we're wrestling against something in the spiritual realms? So, you know, we talk about the spiritual battle. We know we're at war. We know that there's an adversary, but we also know that we are sinful people, that we're sinful men and sinful women. How do we know what the distinguishing marker between those two is? Yeah. It's a good question. I wish we had an expert in the room. Yeah. But here's a stab. Is I don't know if you can distinguish them like water and oil. And if I'm fa- facing a water issue or an oil issue. It seems to be when Paul talks about this, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. F- flesh and blood alone. It means it's like it's intermixed. Right. And so when you look at the world that just takes it as a flesh and blood issue, like whatever it is, injustice, racism, um, prejudices, and say that's just a flesh and blood issue. Uh, poverty. Well, you look at the history and say, okay, well, we've tried to remedy that in every kind of way, right? Right. We've politically tried to set up different so, leadership yeah, systems. Yeah, socially create social different structures. social structures. Yeah. Yeah. In the family, outside the family. Um, we try to educate it. Economic, try to, economics will beat it. Absolutely. So you t- say, okay, look, historically, let's not be ignorant of all the different cultural attempts to remedy this through flesh and blood. Yeah, just over Western civilization. Yeah. yeah. And what you realize is, no, all of that leads ourselves to do probably more evil. Yeah. If you look at the 20th century and you go, that's the bloodiest century on planet Earth. And it's probably the most educated, sophisticated, rich, rich, society to ever live on the planet so that can't be flesh and blood you know right so there's got to be something spiritual here and for my friends who are just flesh and blood issues you have to have to recognize okay maybe there is an antagonist that's causing that's spurring on that's energizing conflicts with one another that i can't see and i don't if i only use flesh and blood defenses or flesh and blood remedies i can't actually defend against and so i have to be aware there's a greater reality that's tied to flesh and blood. So I think what, you, what ends up happening is everybody has different bents or propensities. You're tempted in different ways than I'm tempted. And the devil knows that. His, his adversaries, his accompaniment know that. And so the things that he attempts in my life might be different than the things that he attempts in your life. Totally. And I think it's a coupled event of what is the weakness of my flesh that he f- preys on. And then when I become aware of those things, I'm like, oh, I see what he's doing here. And I kind of get my hands around it. Then he, so, he shows up in a new way. Right. And he just knows the weakness of my flesh or where I've been tempted or based on past experiences. Like what are past failures in your life that you've lied to yourself and told yourself you were no good or you, you, you didn't deserve any better or that you were worthless or that you're not worthy of someone's affection? He'll play off of your unique experiences. So I, it's not that it's flesh and blood or spirit. It's a spirit, flesh, and blood issue. Right. And to, the, I guess maybe the Christian life is about discernment and taking time, pausing, reading your scriptures, praying, talking to those in a spiritual authority over you to help you discern what's going on in that story, in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I think we talk about this where everything in life is spiritual. Yeah. Like, there's not a, a non-spiritual decision that you're making. And at the same time, our faith is very much flesh and blood. 
Very real. It's walkable. Very real. Yeah. It, yeah. It, we have to breathe it out. And so everything that I'm learning in the spiritual sense needs to be lived out, applied, worked out in the flesh and blood. But if I think there's like a, you know, a, a, a chasm between what happens on Sunday and what happens on Monday, because what happened on Sunday is a spiritual thing, man, I'm about to get blindsided. I'll be losing a battle. I'm not, I'm not aware that I'm in. Yeah. That's a great, man. I love it. Yeah. It's a really good encouragement to, that we need to be on guard, ready, have the armor of faith, armor of God in us, and we need to really be able to discern the days ahead of us, the days that we're in, and to know that there is a spiritual battle, and we have a, but we have every blessing in Christ. That's what I was thinking about Ephesians one three. That, um, and I love this. I think this is probably the most one of the most life giving things to me is that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He chose us in in him before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and blameless before him in love. And I think that's just a great reminder that even though it might be hard to distinguish what's flesh and blood, what's a spiritual battle, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ to navigate these days. Absolutely. When you're resourced to go into battle, it's a confident thing. Mm. We just have to make sure that we're dressing ourselves in the resources that God provides. Armor of God, my friend. Armor of God. It's great. Yeah, so maybe that's an encouragement to our listeners is that if you haven't memorized Ephesians 6, especially 10 through 20, this is a great time for you to memorize it because um, in those dark days when you're on the rope, when life has hit you, and um, things are hard, that maybe God can recall the thing that you put in your heart long ago and talk to you about what you are and who you are and how he's prepared you. Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity just to pause and ask yourself, okay, whose voice am I listening to? Is it the voice of the Father that draws me deeper into relationship with Christ? Or is the voice of an accuser, a deceiver, and a slanderer that continues to shame me and guilt me it's not from the Father. Oh, it's so good. Okay, we're so glad you're with us on this series, Battle Ready. Thanks for tuning in to The Weekly. Like always, you can reach out to us at theweekly at calvarybible.com, or you can actually go to calvarybible.com, The Weekly. Check out the old episodes. Cut and paste them. Hand them off to a friend. If you think something hits you that you might want to pass along to your friends, don't ever feel bad sharing this podcast to them. We love hearing from you. Thanks once again, for investing your time with us. Thomas, start bearing, unbearing ourselves from the snow over and over again as it's it time. freezes every night. Every night for the next couple nights. But on to pizza and root beer. Oh, you know. He's talking about my birthday. That's my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love you. That was random. Let's get out of here. Shut it down. Sh- shut it down. <laughs>